It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, it's 1 p.m., and I'm excited to have two fantastic guests on the show today with me. If this is the first time you happen to be tuning in, let me give you a little rundown on how it works. Um, essentially, you know, I have the privilege of meeting some really cool and exciting and uh, thought-provoking people um, in my work and in my travels, um, as well as just maybe running into them on LinkedIn. So uh, this show is really designed to give you an opportunity to listen on our conversation, one that I may have already had on my own. I may have sought them out and wanted to ask them some, some key questions about what makes them successful, what their businesses are doing, maybe what things they're seeing coming down, down the pipe you know, within their industry or in the market. So um, this show really kind of brings that together, and hopefully you can benefit from, from hearing our conversation. And we also love it if you interact and if you want to send us your questions and you want to be a part of the conversation, you can do that as well. Um, you do that by going to Twitter, and you can um, – you can be doing the uh, sending us any questions or any tweets that you have uh, there by using at PeopleG2. Put in the hashtag Talent Talk. If it's live, my producer Mike will try to you know feed me in the questions and we'll get them asked. And if it's after the show, that's fine. Make sure you try to tag the guest or myself, and we'll try to get the questions answered for you after the fact. Uh, as I said, we're live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, with just a few exceptions. And um, but you know, most of you actually come in and get us on the on iTunes, or you hear us on iHeartRadio, or any of the other places that we're uh, syndicated in the country. And really, just really appreciate everyone who's coming in. We average over 10,000 downloads a day um, last year or so. Um, and just a big thank you to everyone who's tuning into the show on a regular basis and being a part of it. Um, my guest today uh, will include uh, Kirsten Helvey, uh, Chief Operations Officer at Cornerstone On Demand, a really, uh, really kind of very cool high tech company. Right, and uh, they're all around the world, but I know them in my backyard in, in Santa Monica. So we'll get to her in just a moment, and then uh, co-founder of Fleet First Eventertainment. Um, Kevin will join me in the second half of the show and explain that unique uh, name to his company. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Uh, Kirsten, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me on Talent Talk. I'm uh, super excited to be here. And I'm saying your name correctly. Is that right? Yes, Kirsten. Uh, yes. Kirsten. All right. Because I have a habit of getting every name wrong. But I've gotten this one right, so we're on, we've had a good start here to the show. Um <laughs> Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing, and of course, if they haven't heard of your incredible company, explain a little bit about what Cornerstone On Demand does. Sure. Um, so, firstly, I've been at Cornerstone for 14 years, and I started at Cornerstone when there were eight clients, 
And I have done most jobs at Cornerstone except for coding, which they wouldn't allow me to learn and do. So that's probably a good thing. And Cornerstone is a cloud company that really empowers people, businesses, and communities to realize their potential by helping them to recruit, develop, and manage their people. And as you noted, we were all around the world. We work with some of the largest companies around the world, as well as thousands of smaller companies. And we really focus on helping them to engage their workforces and empower their people. Well, and it's a fantastic story. Um, you know, I had the privilege of, for a period of time, being on a, in a group with your uh, CEO, your founder, Adam Miller. And so sort of knowing that story that where you guys started from to where you are now is just absolutely incredible. It is inspiring and kind of what, you know, in part what keeps me coming back to work every day, thinking maybe one day we could be, you know, like a cornerstone on demand. So it, it's a fantastic story. You know, your role at Cornerstone and being the chief operations officer and really th- that journey you just described coming from where you, where you started to where you are now is, is a fantastic one. But that means you've, you've really covered a lot of area. I mean, you talked about everything you've done outside of coding. Can you talk about what you spe- – maybe on a specific level, some of the rewards and maybe some of the challenges, maybe some of your, your more memorable highs and lows in that journey? Yeah, you know, it has been an- – an incredibly exciting ride, and I think you, you hit it correctly. There are peaks and valleys, you know, throughout any type of journey. Um, and today, I really view my job as like the conductor of an orchestra, right? It's my job to ensure that every musician is playing the best that they can individually, as well as together as a team or the orchestra. So that's kind of how I've morphed and changed. And I believe it's my job to create future leaders. That's what we do. Our goal is to ensure that, you know, we're creating those leaders and having them go start companies and be successful and, you know, hopefully like you, growing it to to be a public company or whatever the goals might be. And I think one of the things that has been consistent for my journey is that I have always been passionate about our clients and helping them to achieve their goals and their business impact. But I'm equally passionate about making that experience easy, fun, positive, because I feel like going to work should be fun. It should be a, a great place to be where we enjoy it together. So in order to make that happen, we actually focus on making sure the employees are happy and they have a good experience because that directly then impacts the client experience. And I look at all of the end-to-end processes that make sure that we're operating, you know, extremely efficiently well and with operational excellence. You know, I love my job when clients are happy and having great experiences and being successful. I love my job when our team is achieving their goals. They're growing as individuals and becoming leaders. But along the way, I've had lots of challenges, which, you know what, there are always opportunities and there's always a solution. So I try to not look at it like a challenge. And this is especially true when you're going through the peaks, the valleys, and your company is changing, you know, pretty quickly, especially as you're growing and scaling. You know, as you know, you talk to a lot of guests that, you know, you go through these different stages, and each stage 
is a new challenge. And I think that's one of the the great things that makes my job interesting and why I'm here after 14 years is because, you know, each stage is different. I get to work on different things and the fun part is pulling it all together and coming up with solutions and working together as a team to do that. Well, you you really kind of described a really great scenario, and I think it ties in really well with what you guys offer. And I know you offer a lot of a lot of different things. For my company, we use Cornerstone for you know handling our reviews uh, and our goal setting, and we actually take that to an extreme. We do those every single month, as opposed to maybe an annual or a you know two to four times a year that we, we've heard other companies do we actually go in and we have goals every single month and we utilize that cornerstone system to help us uh, in the growth edition to help us you know achieve those goals keep track of those things and really make sure that we're highlighting what's working and what's positive um and uh, understanding who in our company is really out there kicking butt and taking names and, you know and then maybe who else we need to help um that isn't you know struggling or not able to get there so it sounds a lot like you guys have taken what you're what you're, you're out there selling every day and really been able to take it inside and use it to your advantage uh, to help grow your company in such a spectacular way. Yeah, I really um, believe you have to practice what you preach. And um, ironically, our our system we call dog food. We eat our own dog food, and we make sure that you know we're living what we're out there preaching and what we're you know helping other companies to do. So you, you started with a company when it had, you said, eight or nine clients, um, and well, maybe that was back in 2005, and you know now you're all over the world, and I think it's a $2 billion market cap or whatever the giant number is now that you guys have. Uh, and so over those years, how have you seen the culture evolve or change? You know, How does that kind of happen as the company grows in that way and becomes successful in that way? Yeah, I think that the the great thing about us is that we've worked really hard to maintain a consistent culture since inception. And the mission has really held true and has remained the same. And that is really to empower people, businesses, communities. And I don't believe that a company creates the culture. I believe people create the the culture and that's owned by the people and people have to be accountable so i think that has been fairly consistent and when someone asks me to describe what our culture is i always say we are not an i we are a we and that we have to come together to achieve all of our goals and and you know that looks different through the different stages but we try to be pretty consistent and i think when you're interviewing and you're going through the courting process, if you will, you, you really have to try to get to know the core of that person. Sometimes that's hard, but we like smart people. We like dependable, visionary, and people who really are passionate about what they want to do from a job perspective because there are no more nine-to-five jobs, and you've got to be – kind of all of yourself in the workplace as part of the culture. And I fundamentally believe in harmony. I don't believe in balance. And you have to marry those things together. I think that that's the way work is now, is a marriage of those two things. And I think Cornerstone allows people to do that. And that's one of the reasons that I love being here and I've stayed here, because I think you can bring 
your true self to work and achieve goals. So you said something really fascinating. You believe in harmony, but not balance. So could, can you go a little deeper with that? Yeah, I, I, you know, you said something very interesting about setting goals on a monthly basis, which I love. I think it's that's fantastic. Most companies are not doing that, right? They're still at the annual. And how do you get feedback other than communication and getting that feedback? And for me, that it changes on a daily basis. And the reason I say harmony is because I don't think you ever balance anything from work to personal. And I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a friend. And I wake up every day kind of reprioritizing that day. And I have to communicate that. One of the key things that I've done with my team that um, I love is Every Monday we have our check-in meeting, and we take 15 minutes, and we each do a personal and professional check-in. And the professional is, what's our goal for that week? And the personal is, hey, here's what's going on for me, but here's my personal goal for the week. And I believe that allows us to see the harmony in each other's lives on a more frequent basis because we all need empathy. We all have to work together, and it goes back to the people. I, companies are only what we are because of people. You can have the best product in the world. You can create, you know, the best service. But at the end of the day, it boils down to the people. And I believe there has to be a connection with the people. And that's why I choose Harmony because I don't feel like for me, this is my personal um, opinion, that I can really have a balance because each day I'm choosing something different to focus on. And one day it might be, a family versus a friend versus work, and I'm always balancing those on a, a, a daily basis, but one takes a priority, so that's why I believe in harmony. Well, I'm glad we found that little nugget uh, in our conversation. That's you know, We write out these questions for people, and we, we listen to their answers, and when we, we hear something special, we'd like to, to kind of dive in on it, so I'm glad we found that one. Uh, you know, in, in doing some research on you, I um, saw a great article that you wrote recently called The Five Big Things on the Minds of Today's Most Innovative CHROs. And we have a lot of those types of people listening, um, and certainly that's we both are, are, are talking to those people on a regular basis in our businesses. So, uh, you know, maybe as they're focusing on, sh- you know, that shift in talent management and how the role of HR really changes um, – Maybe can you can you draw out a couple of the big ideas um, of things in that in that article that you talked about? I think there was, you know, the big thing was about creating a feedback loop. Um, there was a couple others. Maybe can you kind of give us that the highlights of that article in case somebody wants to go check that out? Yeah, absolutely. I think first of all, we partnered with Ferrazzi Greenlight, and we brought about thirty um, really progressive HR executives to the summit and. It was a fascinating time to really hear what they were focusing on and what was keeping them up at night. And it kept coming back to feedback and the the communication that happens within their company. And every different topic resulted in, you know, the net of it was, how are you getting feedback? How are you giving feedback? Are you open to feedback? And... 
technology now enables much greater feedback, right? We live in a completely different world. We're all used to instant feedback, whether it's your social media, uh, you know, your, your smartphone, you're constantly getting feedback, you know, positive and negative. So how do you manage that now in the workplace? Because it is different. The, the, like you said, you're doing a, a once a month check-in, right? It's no longer, you know, to these CHROs sufficient to do a yearly perfunctory review because feedback is in the moment, it's in the instant, and technology allows a lot more of that. And to manage that, there's positive feedback, negative feedback, and how you manage that as a manager is really critical to all of your relationships, and it really boiled down to what are the things that you know, companies, managers, individuals need to be doing relative to feedback and asking for feedback. Is it okay to ask for feedback? And there were a couple studies noted in that summit that basically said if the manager, I think it was something like 70% of managers who asked for feedback from their team were more likely to get feedback that their team members would give feedback. So there were some really interesting data coming from these discussions. But I think the most important point is that we now have these interactions on a daily basis, moment for moment in everything we're doing. And how do we capture that and bring it back into the world to help develop ourselves and to keep learning? Yeah, absolutely. And I know for us, one of the things that we try to do as well, besides getting feedback, is also to use uh, Marshall Goldsmith's uh, term of feed forward. So how can we communicate what we need going forward, which in some ways can be a bit more of a positive um, interaction instead of a feedback, which sometimes can be taken negatively, which is this is what you did wrong, as opposed to this is what I need you to do right going forward. I don't know how you take that and possibly put it into a system or into a, a software or, or, or whatever it may be, but I guess maybe Cornerstone would be the ones to figure that out. Uh, but do you have any, any places in your processes, in your culture or anything where you guys are talking about what you, what you need from someone going forward? Yeah, you know what? I love that term, feed forward, because I, I agree with you. I think in a lot of ways people perceive feedback as negative. So I love that feed forward term, and I might have to steal that from you and embed that in everything that we're doing. Um, we, we, we do have a lot of mechanisms, and, you know, I think one of the really cool things that we actually do is a development day. And a lot of the development day is about sharing, giving feedback, and it's really run by all of our employees around the world. They come up with the topics and the sessions, and that's a direct line of feed forward. It's all of our folks saying, here are the things we're interested in and we want to learn about. And that creates, you know, not only an interesting way to obtain information and see what's on the minds of everybody in the company, but it also allows individuals to work on things that aren't their normal job. So that's one way. You know, we do all the typical surveys and um, touch points, and we capture some of that in the system. We use our tools, obviously, to do all that. But I think, first and foremost, 
pick up the phone and have a conversation to, to get the feed forward. I think a lot of times we hide behind technology. And one of the biggest things that I'm a proponent of is having a conversation and doing it in the moment and ensuring that you're making time to have those conversations, right? Everybody expects at this point to have somewhat of a personalized experience because that's life now. Everything you do is personalized. And I think that also is in business at your company. And as much as you can create personalized feed-forward loops, and it is a loop because it's constant. Um, I think that's the best way to be able to encourage uh, your teams to give feed forward and receive it. Yeah, and you bring up an excellent point about having that time to talk and connect. Um, I think it was a book I read recently, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. and. Yeah. And in that book, he was talking about having, I think it was a weekly meeting with all of your direct reports. And I'm like, a weekly meeting? Um, can I get a monthly one in? You know, it was like that, it, how much they were doing to really sit down with people on a regular basis to have those conversations was incredible. And, um, you know, we had to kind of kick ourselves in the butt a little bit to get that going a bit more often. But it's, you highlight such an important point about just having those interactions, just making time to do it because we get so busy. There's so much going on. If we let it, our clients will take up every bit of our time, and then everything else, um, you, you know, can, can really kind of kind of come in if you don't really take that time to really make sure those things happen. So you highlight a fantastic point. Um, one of the things I want to make sure we ask you about was in that article you kind of talked a little bit about having how to have a diverse company and maybe you could talk a little bit about maybe some of the things you're doing and your thoughts on how do you have an inclusive culture yeah i think you know this is continually a hot topic especially for tech companies which we are and i think like the bottom line for me is that we're just not practicing what we preach and it's not for lack of trying i think that it's something that sounds so simple but it's actually extremely hard for many reasons that cannot be solved by a one-time training course. And I think a lot of companies think, you know, by providing training courses, they're going to fix the diversity and the inclusion issues that they have. And I think for me, there is a fundamental behavioral, behavioral change that must occur on all fronts. And that starts with hiring. And hiring is just a fraction of the challenge. I think you've got to create a different culture to actually make it stick and change behavior, right? We all know that behaviors don't get changed overnight, right? Studies show what it takes to change behaviors. And I think that this is what companies struggle with, is that you've got to change the behaviors to actually have an impact to build a diverse company. And at Cornerstone, I think... I'm very proud to say that we're actually 40% women, which is much different than many other tech companies, you know, out in the world. But we have to work hard to change behaviors, and we have to work whether it's in the hiring process, and it has to be top of mind. I think when you're looking at a candidate pool, yes, you care about who's the best candidate, but I think you've got to search far and wide and look in places that you might not ordinary, ordinarily look at. And I think the biggest thing that a company can do is to focus on changing behavior 
and the key things that drive behavior. Training is one component, but it's it's in feedback or feed forward. It's in everything that you're doing and living and breathing. And we touched on the beginning. I think you have to, as a company, live and practice what you preach. It's just lip service if you're not doing things to change it. And I believe that from a society perspective, we've got to change behaviors. And it has to be constant, and you can't just, you know, kind of dip your toe in. You have to be all in. And it's everyone has to change, not just men, women, or all different nationalities. I think it's it's a collective, and we need to partner together to make those changes. Well, one of the ways that we can be more educated uh, and to make some of those uh, changes that you're talking about is, you know, th- through being exposed to different ways of thinking and exposed to different thoughts and, and perspectives. And I know for me, a lot of times I get those from books. So I'm wondering if there's a book that you're reading or you recently read that you might suggest uh, the listeners take a look at. So um, I'm actually reading three books, and it's based on my mood. Um, first and foremost, I love, um, you know, my, on my personal time, any mystery novel. So I'm reading Private Games by Robert Patterson, which is a private series. And I just got back from Rio, so uh, I'm loving connecting all of the – it's based in Rio. Uh, my second area that I focus on is that I am a mom, and I'm reading, um, I, I hate to admit it, Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. And – it's really a book about trying to parent with healthy limits, with empathy and clear communication. And ironically, I use some of those strategies at work. Um, I think everybody can identify with that. Uh, but on my personal development front, I just started reading um, The Leadership Gap by Lolly Daskal. And this is a book about you know finding the things that are really impeding you from going good to great, right? How do you be a great, authentic leader? And that is something that I am trying to do in my role constantly, not only being a role model, but for all people. And uh, I want to be the best that I can be to help not only my company, but all the people here. Well, um, You have given us a lot of great books to think about and to check out. I'm sure our uh, listeners would love all three. They all sound like great books. Uh, My final question, and we're just about done here, is how can people uh, find out more about Cornerstone On Demand if they're interested in a job, if they want to use your products and services? What's the best way for them to find out more? Yeah, please check out our website, csod.com, or you can reach out to me directly via Twitter at Kirsten Moss or by email, khelvy at csod.com. Well, thank you so much for being a part of our show today. I'm glad we got someone uh, from your company on the show finally. We, we big admirers of everything you guys are doing, and we really uh, love hearing every kind of the ins and outs from someone on the inside. So thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update. Uh, Really enjoyed it, Chris. Thank you so much for having me, and have a wonderful day. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with our second guest, Kevin uh, Clotier. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. 
In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If you're just uh, getting back with us, you missed a great interview with uh, Kirsten Halvey, the COO of Cornerstone On Demand. You can find her interview uh, probably up on our iTunes or iHeartRadio here in the next uh, couple days, uh, where we kind of repost everything back as a podcast. Uh, you can also find it on TalentTalkRadio.com. That's another great place to find all of our past episodes and hear uh, other other fantastic guests. Um, Next up, we're going to have uh, Kevin uh, Clotier, the co-founder of Fleet First Eventertainment. I like the uh, that name there. So as a reminder, if you have any questions, uh, you can tweet them to at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag Talent Talk. We'll try to feed them into Kevin. Or after the fact, we'll try to make sure we get anything answered, any questions you might have. Um, but Kevin, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of what your background was, how you got to where you are today, and of course, you know, give us a little rundown on the company that you founded with your brother, uh, Fleet First Eventertainment. Yeah, Fleet First. We uh, we started in college as uh, camp counselors, and we were both going to UCLA at the same time and working at a camp. Somebody saw us uh, making up games, and they said, "Hey, can you come and make up these types of games for us on TV shows?" And so we said, probably, we've never done that before, but we went out and and gave that a shot. We worked on a bunch of different television shows throughout the uh, throughout the 90s, and uh, things like Ledge of the Hidden Temple was a show, Shop Till You Drop, and um, finally ended up working on Survivor, things like that. And, and at one point, we decided to take these games on the knowledge we had and try and take it to the corporate world, to private organizations, and see, hey, if we can create these games for television, why not try and make them for people to do uh, themselves rather than just watching them on television? Well, that's an amazing story to kind of go from, you know, doing it for fun and in a camp, and then suddenly you find yourself thrust into, um, you know, into television. I mean, that that's pretty remarkable. Uh, yeah, how did you guys great. handle some of that? Uh, was it just, hey, you know, fake it till you make it and just, you know, keep saying yes? Or did you, you know, wh- how, how did that kind of transition go? There was a little fake it till you make it, but for that it was they were asking us to create games, and uh, it had never been these things had never been done before on certain shows, and so we were just sitting in an office and coming up with ideas, and we have to go out and try them out and see if they worked. And that happens to be one of the ways my brain works. Is I'm a, I'm a games guy, and I always have been, so I like you know taking everyday objects or whatever and trying to figure out how can we turn this into a puzzle or a game or something, and. And so for television, that worked out really well. And so turned out when when we were making these shows, people just, they, they responded well, and the shows got popular. And so people kept calling and saying, well, if you did it for that show, please do it for this show. Please come do it for us. And so sooner or later, uh, I was on a short list of, uh, of games guys in the entertainment industry, so it, it did me well. <laughs> 
Yeah, and so you guys are really kind of a uh, maybe a model of a company that really involved to you know encompass a vision of its of what you guys started. So maybe can you talk about some of the evolution then, and you know wh- wh- where are you guys at today? What are some of the big projects you're and things you're working on now? Well, what we did is we took we took that idea and went live with it. So at these corporate events, lots of times I still feel like we're making reality TV sometimes because we're working with 500 people and we might be doing a scavenger hunt around a city. But the thing that's different about ours is it has to work live. There's no editing, you know. So all the all the work we put in at the beginning, everything has to work first time. Uh, we can't go back and try it again. So it's very exciting when you have large citywide events, things like that happening, and it's up to you to make sure that all the work is done and all the groundwork is laid so that it goes off without a hitch. And so we've we that's how we evolved from television, and now we're doing all kinds of events all over the country, and we we do some corporate give-back events. We do some events that are just based on fun, but our, our, our whole philosophy is just getting people out of the office and laughing together for a couple hours, and hopefully you'll find out that you like the people you work with more than you knew you did just from sharing a little a uh, little bit of time with them outside of the office. Well, and and so not only spending more time with them and bringing people together and maybe you know reinforcing and creating a better culture, but you're also giving them opportunity in some instances to give back as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Corporate responsibility is a is a big thing these days, and so we've created a bunch of different events where people get the chance to give back, whether it be uh, interesting ways to give food back to people, um, build bicycles, things like that. Our newest event is called Waterworks, where we actually have groups uh, build water filtration systems, and then we send them to villages in Africa, and the, the systems actually get installed in in the huts, in the villages in Africa. And so they're truly helping people, and they're giving the gift of life, which is pretty amazing. And in that gift, I'm sorry, in that event, they they create a piece of artwork as well, and that artwork gets put on the system, the water filtration system in Africa, and that way when it gets donated, they get a picture back of the family with the actual piece of art that they created so they know that that is the system and that's the family that they are helping. So it's pretty transparent. It's a pretty uh, moving experience. Yeah, I mean, that that could really be impactful, and it's great when you can take um, an activity. Of course, they're all working on it together. They're doing something important. But then if they also get to see, um, you know, that that is having an actual impact to someone's life, that, that kind of last piece is often where people forget to do. They forget to show, show everyone how the work you did, whether it was – charity or just your own regular work, how it might be impacting someone on, uh, at the end of the process is, is super, super important. Um, yeah, ha- have have you seen a lot deal. of that when, as you guys are walking through that process? Uh, we have. It's, it's, it's really moving, I think, for people to realize, wow, I'm drawing this picture here, so creating art. Maybe they're drawing a picture of the globe, or we've had some, maybe it's a peacock. They're just, they're creating something, you know, on a, on a big piece of board that was blank, and they realize, wow, now, from now on, that there's going to be some child in Africa that will always relate this picture to clean water. And that's, that's what a great, powerful thing that is to think of something that i'm drawing right now is that's what they're the rest of their life that person is going to think of that and when they see that they're going to think of clean water it's pretty amazing now what are the types of companies that tend to work with your company i mean 
Do you do work with generally maybe just Fortune 500 or Fortune 1000s, or do you do a lot of work with other types of companies? You know, it's, it, we run the gamut. Uh, I would say, I would say, if you've heard of the company, we've probably worked for them. But then there's lots of companies that are smaller businesses, mom and pop industries, things like that. Because we we run anywhere from our events are anywhere from say a thousand people all the way down to five or six people. So it just everybody I think wants a better working environment, and so everybody wants to find a way to to reward their employees and make sure people uh, feel good about the place they work. And so that's our job is coming in and giving everybody that type of experience where they can be proud of where they're working and and happy to say, I work at this company. Yeah, and, and have you seen or maybe do you have any stories around, you know, kind of really trying to improve some of the internal relationships? Um, that's often an area where companies are looking to make improvements is to bring their people closer together, maybe bring teams or departments together. Um, sometimes there's rivalries. Sometimes there's, you know, friction between groups or people. Um, that sure. can slow the company down. So how does some of the things they're doing with you maybe kind of help them overcome some of that? Well, everything we do is based on communication. So we try and bring fun and energy to all of our events, but all of our events to be successful at them, it's all about communication. So um, the one thing we don't sell ourselves as are we are not a fix-it company. We are not the company to call. If you have severe problems, uh calling us it might help you for a couple hours but that's it's not going to help you long term we're not going to sit down and analyze uh what's going on in your company we're more of a reward-based company so if people have a product launch or they hit certain sales goals and they they want to reward their people that's when they usually hire us However, people come to us all the time with goals saying, I want to make sure, you know, these people that are used to teleconferencing, they're not usually in the same office together. We want to make sure they are working together. Um, and so those are the types of programs where, yeah, it's up to us to make sure that we're designing it around uh, a program that all those people will get a chance to put their ideas in and still have fun and still have the energy, but they, we want to make sure we reach the goals that the companies are talking about. Yeah, I mean, so you kind of mentioned that you're not going to be the, the company to come in and fix them. You're not providing coaching. You're not um, psychologists, um, you know, thinking exactly. that, not, not, not type of an approach. But, you know, companies are, are coming to you with probably all sorts of different issues. It might be help, help helping them fix their culture. It might just be a reward. It might be to, you know, improve them in some way. Um, you know, or maybe it's just giving people a break and just giving them that maximization of fun. So, I'm sure it's a good mixture of everything, but where do you think you're really shine? Where is that area that you really bring in the most value? Uh, like you said, it is a, it is a mixture of all of those, but it's it's really I would say the majority of our events are reward based, and it's that they they want to they want to continue the culture that they've got going on, so they feel like they have a good culture and they want to promote that. So, and we work with a lot of a lot of tech companies these days, um, and you know. They have younger employees, and they just they want to make sure they get out and have a good time, and, and don't switch to another tech company. You know, they want to give them reasons to stay, and that's that's why they call us. And literally, we just try and go in and make sure they have a good time. And our biggest compliment is when people tell us, you know, we wanted to hate you guys because we hate team building, but this was this was too much fun. We really enjoyed it, and that's for us. That's a great great compliment. <laughs> and that's some great feedback. I mean. Um... <laughs> 
you know, that we, we wanted to hate it, but we ended up liking it. I guess that, that's good. <laughs> well, because a lot of times they're just told, you're going to do team building today. And, you know, lots of people will roll their eyes and they go, what does that mean? Are they going to blindfold us? Are they going to, we have to hold hands and do this or that? And there's right. negative connotations with that word. And so what we've right. tried to do is create a whole different industry with it, you know, where people, maybe they'll start looking forward to it. Well, team building can be, can be fun. What other things are you are you seeing coming out of your events? I mean, are there maybe certain storylines, experiences, or metrics? Is there anything else that you're you're kind of consistently seeing as you you know leave and, and maybe talk to clients a week, a, a month, a year later? The types of feedback we get all the time are people are still talking about it, and we can't believe we didn't find you guys earlier. You know that that they people don't talk about our events that I've seen so far as well office uh, you know office production has really picked up since that event but we do get office morale has really picked up and I can't believe how many people are still talking about that event from four months ago things like that and so what we're trying to do is provide an experience that really touches them that they couldn't do anywhere else. And if they're still talking about it four months later at work, then I think feel like we've done our job because that means they enjoyed it. You know, that means that we gave them an experience that they could truly remember for the rest of their lives, and that's that's what we're out to do. Well, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this, I, I kind of wondered, I want, you know, would this sort of thing be valuable inside of communities, inside of other, you know, groups of people that are not necessarily brought together because it's their job? You know, do uh, you think we could take this this model and apply it into other places where maybe people need to come together in a way that they hadn't thought about that because they're not doing it on their own yet? I, I think it works great everywhere, and that's because when you base something on fun, everybody likes to have fun. And sure, everybody's definition of fun might be different, but we're going in there and we're not making fun of anybody. We're not making anybody uncomfortable, but it's literally literally we're giving people the the permission to hey, just drop your guard for a couple hours and let yourself be a kid again. You know, let yourself remember what it was like when you were at camp when you were younger and how much fun you had. Well, that's what we're trying to do. We're bringing that type of feeling back to you. And, I mean, what adult in, in whatever situation doesn't want to remember that feeling? I mean, I think, I think most of us remember camp as, wow, that was a great time, and all the, we got to play games all day and things like that. So if we can get that type of feeling going in people, I think that's. Uh, I think we're doing something right. Wow, oh, absolutely! And you know, uh, have you done much of this work outside of the United States? Have you guys, you know, done some international type projects? Uh, we've we've worked in many different countries, but it's always been for uh, U.S. companies. So it's when people are traveling with presidents' clubs, or they have reward programs, or they might be going to the Caribbean, or they might be going to Mexico. Um, we've gone as far as uh, Bora Bora and things like that. So we've we've produced we've produced events all over the world. But yes, they've always been with U.S.-based companies. And, and does taking people out of their environment, maybe going somewhere different, has that had a different change in uh, maybe good or bad into how maybe people respond or react to those types of uh, events? It has been interesting. I'd say the, the, the different thing for us is we go to a place that we're not expecting. You know, if you go to 
an island in the South Pacific, and all of a sudden the uh, the items that we would normally use to create an event aren't there. So we have to create something with what's there. I can remember on Bora Bora we had to we had to change our event. We had to create a miniature golf course on the beach, but we were using palm fronds and things like that. So we we just had to use what was at our disposal, and I think it really added to the event. It wasn't something we were expecting, but the people really liked it because wow, we were really uh, using the culture and using uh, making it very natural, you know. And, it seemed to work very well. Yeah, I mean, we can kind of get in and be that uh, creative. But, yeah, I was kind of wondering if people are maybe more open uh, if you take them out of their environment, or are they maybe more distracted if you've taken them out of their environment? Now they're in Bora Bora and their beach is there and they've got everything else to look at. You know, for sometimes for people, they, they it is a challenge for them as they look at taking their people. Do you keep them on site and do an activity or do you take them off site? Um, sure. And, and, there, and there can be pros and cons. It, it, it kind of sounded like you guys got a lot of at, a lot out of going out of your comfort zone and being creative and finding ways to to solve problems. But do you think that uh, companies, you know, taking them out of an environment can be helpful, or do you think that has challenges? Oh. I agree with you there can be challenges, but I think it's really important to get your company uh, to a different environment, even if it's just to the park across the street. I think, you know, when people see the same walls every day, things get monotonous, and just breaking that monotony I think is a huge deal. I mean, if you've got a rooftop and you can just, you know, put a grill on the rooftop and great, you're grilling burgers or hot dogs one day. It's just something different, you know, or, mm-hmm. or creating something inside your workspace and turning it into something different, I think is a, uh, something else that can work too, because I think that's, that's what gets to people is the, the day to day always being the same. And so any way you can change it up, I think is, is a good idea. And I know when I do trainings, I love to get people out of their own office because, you know, someone always comes in the in the conference room and needs to talk to somebody or interrupt. I mean, they kind of, sure. you know, they can't get away as easy when they're sitting in their own office. It's like it's almost like that uh, they're, they're anchored somehow to the work <laughs> right. and are taking that time right. to think about things or just get out and, 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 and let their mind be free to, to learn. And your, and your example is to have fun and be, remember what it was like to be a kid and to – to maybe even let those creative juices flow because you're not so tied down to some of the, you know, the day-to-day responsibilities and things that you normally have to deal with. Uh, one of our favorite questions to ask, um, and hopefully uh, maybe you have a good answer for us, is, you know, is there a book that you're reading right now or maybe you recently read that you might uh, share with us? Uh, you know, I just finished uh, The Innovators by Walter Isaacson. Have you read that one? No, I haven't. He's the he's the man who did the Steve Jobs the biography of Steve Jobs, but um, right. it's the history basically of the computer and the internet and all the people who created created everything that we use these days. And it goes back all the way to the 1700s. People thinking about how they wanted to create some kind of adding machine, and uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. I mean, he's a great writer anyway, but it, it yeah it goes all through through the different eras, but it goes all the way up through. The creation of AOL and the creation of the World Wide Web, and it's amazing how some of the things we use today were created by one person or two people who, whether they did it by accident or they did something not knowing what they were creating, and here it is, something that we use every day and take for granted. You know. <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've been um, in, in Italy before and, and, and kind of asked some 
different people at museums or historians and said, you know, why did so much art, why did so many things happen during the Renaissance? And they talked about this sort of like bringing people together, that they were some of the, the best and brightest in the world came together. There was this level of they sort of all um, benefited from being around each other and being competitive sure. to each other. And it almost feels like what we've gone through recently in our kind of spurt of technology has been a similar renaissance. Some of these big innovators were influenced by each other and pushed by each other and competitive with each other and it really so much of that happened we came we've gone so far and so many great things have, have occurred um hopefully we can we can spur another one and um who knows what will what, what, what might happen again in our future yeah that's exactly what the book touches on that some of these things wouldn't happen if there wasn't the competition there and the people that push each other yeah it's very interesting well, I didn't mean to ruin the book for anybody, so hopefully, uh, <laughs> knowing well, the author, I'm sure there were a lot well of really great uh, takeaways. <laughs> well, Kevin, you've talked a lot, uh, said a lot of great things, and you've kind of really talked about something that's very different than some of the things that we, we talk about on the show. So, um, you know, out of all the things you've mentioned today, if there was one thing that somebody heard that you really wanted them to remember, if if they ignored our conversation on everything else but one thing, what would that one thing be you, you hope they might have heard or remembered? I like to call it unplugged to reconnect. Just get out of the office. Don't be afraid to get outside, put your devices down for a couple hours and connect, reconnect with the people that are in your life, whether it be in business, whether it be in family. We're so tied to our machines that I mean, if you actually get out and experience life with people and laugh with people, um, it's amazing how much joy you'll bring to yourself and you can bring to others. Oh, you're absolutely right. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today and for being our guest. And hopefully we can Thank have you. you come back at some point and tell us about all the other cool things that you've invented and that you're doing out there in the world. I'd love to. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's show. Hopefully you've gained something you can take away in your own career. Um, next week we'll be playing a best of a show as I will be traveling again, but um, I'm sure we can find something great. We'll have another live show back on uh, June 27th. But until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 